0: I don't moonlight as a rapper. My the up you high in the rafters. I got a front team, new life, and a tractor. Just sipping that moonshot and I'm flustered. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to a new episode of the Moonlighters Club. And I got new mics, so this may sound a little bit crisper than than normal, or crispier, whichever. It just sounds a lot better. (laughs) Uh, We're back. Uh, I got a a special guest. Uh, You know what, let, let me let you introduce yourself. Who are you to the world?
1: That's right, Jack. This is the Duke from the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast, a.k.a. the man of the hour, the man with the power, too sweet to be sour. And I am so honored to be on this podcast today, especially with the new mics. Uh, you really rolled out the red carpet for me today, bro. Appreciate it.
0: That's the best intro we've ever. He <laughs> <laughs> usually is just a nervous. You know, my name is Blank. I'm Blank.
1: Well, you know, in the pro wrestling, everything is showmanship. Yep. You know what I mean. So yep. you kind of have to fit into. Even though I'm not a pro wrestler, folks, so wrestlers don't beat me up because you think of misrepresenting. I'm not, but I do interview a lot of you guys. So
0: and, you know, yeah, it is so a difference. It's funny when I uh, first started doing this podcast; it was, it just felt awkward. Because you know the mics are there. It's kind of like seeing someone who can't act. Sure. Because they know the camera's there. And then you start to see personalities. And they're like, yo, that's actually tough. They make it look easy, but getting into a flow of things, and I, like it's, it's, it's really hard.
1: Well, especially when you have your episodes where uh, your guest is remote. They're not right there in front of you. So you're not feeding off of each other per se, right? Right. So you're literally talking into nothing. But the finished product, everyone is listening. Yeah. So it's like, man, did I do that right? And Maybe that didn't sound right. After a while, you just stop being self conscious about it and just lay loose and just keep talking.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's what. what you know? That's, that's what we'll do now. We'll yes, do sir. We'll yes do, sir. We'll do that. Well, let's just start. We'll start basic. I mean, I understanding you growing up. I'll let let everyone know where you're from. Uh, let's just say what city you're from and what that experience was like in that city.
1: Sure, sure. Born and raised in uh, Boston, Massachusetts, specifically uh, the Fuller Street area of Dorchester, and uh, also a Mattapan. So when folks talk about they're from Boston, quote unquote. Everyone from New England is from Boston. Right. When they could be from West Newbury, Massachusetts, John Cena, <coughs> um, you know, nowhere near Boston. I'm actually literally from Boston, born and raised here. Been here uh, my entire life. Probably going to retire here. Um, yeah, I love my city. So, That's,
0: uh, did you did you go to college? Did yeah, Suffolk University. Okay. I didn't
1: go too far.
0: You were at
1: Suffolk? I went to Suffolk University. That's where
0: I went back to school. When I came back here, and went, I went. I oh, was to Suffolk. Yeah. See? We, we, we can't get away from
1: this place, man. But you know what was funny? Because um, when I was still in high school, so my family bought a house in Avon. That's why I I, I was at Boston Latin Academy, yep. we left because we went all the way to Avon. I know, And that. because I mean, of the left. school choice, I couldn't go back and forth. So from there, though, I got an internship at the State House for uh, Speaker Finneran. So because I was working for the Speaker of the House, it was like, well, I might as well just go to school here. Yeah. Suffolk University was right there, so that's how I ended up there.
0: How do you like Watts Latin Academy? It was a looking back on it, it's an interest. It's a really interesting concept. Yeah. Like it's an yeah. exam school yeah. in the middle of a, it's a middle of the hood. Sure. And the students we were around, they were all real smart, but still a yeah, little hood. Like, yeah, yeah. Still a <laughs> hood because everyone was from
1: all over the city. Right. <laughs> One of the things I loved about Latin Academy was that the fact that you had intelligent people from everywhere. Yep. So if you wanted to learn how to get along with people from all different walks of life, that was a great place to do it. One of the things that I found challenging, though, is that we were, all re- we were always labeled. If you were a bad kid, you were a bad kid. Yeah. And the administration and some of the teachers, not all, but some of the teachers would just keep you in that classification. And it was hard to shake that over time. Um, I used to have conversations with Mr. Wells. God rest his soul. Yeah. Here was a guy who was dean of discipline. He was a former principal at other schools and he went on to be a principal in other schools as well from Latin Academy, but we would have heart to heart conversations about that where it's like, because you got in trouble one time, you're labeled, you have a mark on you and that's following you. So now as far as everyone is concerned, that's that bad kid, as opposed to so-and-so over here who they're pushing to the moon. Yeah. And I think that when you look at who ends up going to what colleges from that school, Everybody is smart in that school. Yeah. You made it to that school. Everybody has the capability to go to an Ivy League school from Boston Latin Academy. That doesn't mean they're necessarily pushed in that direction. And that's unfortunate. Now, hopefully it's gotten better over the years, but personally, that's one of the things that when I take a step back and think about it, I observe there. And also the lack of strong support for teachers of color, which the school got in a lot of trouble for that over the years as well. They're, they have to revamp their whole thinking on teachers of color and recruiting more people like that because you have a lot of children of color at that school. They need to see more people that look like them and be taught by more people that look like them again, because you want to push them in a direction where they're going to reach the highest point that they could possibly reach, which everyone, if you get into that school, you can go everywhere, man. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. So when we think about a lot of the people that we know today that we grew up with and went to the Latin Academy with, everybody is pretty solid. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. it just goes to show even, even, quote-unquote, the bad kids, they're still pretty soft, yeah. sharp people. And the ones that are raising children today, which is interesting, their children are very successful in school, yeah. which I, I keep track of that too. So it's it's really like this constant cycle of, well, that person really wasn't so bad if he was in that school. And that person is pretty successful in life today in their own way. So why were they moved in a certain direction by the administration? because they got into a fight because they had problems at home and it manifested at school. Maybe they could have used more services and help in some of these other areas. I always think about that stuff.
0: Yeah. It's, it's it's a super interesting concept. It's like you said, it's, it's everyone has to take a test to get into the school in the first place. Yeah. So there is a base. We all have that same level of understanding, but then you could also see the differences and backgrounds who is going to what kind of a home. Sure. Uh, It, who wanted to do, like, for instance, me, I didn't take advantage of anything in high school. Like, I was really good until about ninth grade, and then I just stopped trying. for some Well, you were
1: very shy in the beginning, too. <laughs> yeah. You were very shy. Yes, yeah, so yeah. I was, dude. I was, yeah.
0: and I was an awful teenager. I was a super awkward kid. Yep. You remember. Yep. Used to bully me, and thank you. Yep. Like- <laughs> yeah, 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 we used to give you a hard time. Because we- I didn't understand so it. <laughs>
1: Joel used to wear the tightest swishy pants. <laughs> yeah. And we used to call them tidy. But the thing was, and this is the part that always bothered me about you. And Joel, you're somebody that I think about. I've never stopped thinking about you because it was like, man, we would call them tidy and have a good time. But we were always capping on each other. But the problem was at the time, like you said, you didn't understand it. So it really bothered you. And it was like, damn, you know what I mean? I didn't want to put this person in a position where I'm making this person feel bad. So then it turns into this whole other thing where it's like, OK, I'm a jerk. You know what I mean? I really just affected this person in a negative way. And who knows what else they're carrying on top of that. What is that going to do to this person over time? You know? So it's just—it's kind of a weird concept because even in life and in management and when I'm teaching other people and when I've managed younger people, I always pull them aside and talk about that. And I actually use you as an example. It's like I had this dude, we used to call him Tidy and he had the swishy pants and I used to mess with him a little bit. And it really bothered him at the time. And it's like that really made me feel terrible. But you can't take it back once it's out. Oh, you know it's what I it's, mean?
0: it's interesting because it's like I, I tell people, it's like, man, I I don't want to say this the wrong way, but I feel like some kind of push some kind of bullying, maybe not bullying, it happens. It happens when you're sure. thirty, it happens when you're forty. Sure, sure. So when you get it when you're a teenager, there is you realize, okay, there there definitely there are societal norms. And things like that. But you do have to prepare yourself for life, bro. Because yeah. there are going to be times when you're in your mid-20s yeah. and someone's going to say something. And you're like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not cool with that. Exactly. But the interesting exactly. thing is that you say that is we were all – we were all given to other people. If it wasn't you giving to me, it was me being an asshole to someone else. Sure, <laughs> sure. But <laughs> that my, was yeah. that was part of growing exactly. up, right? It, was, just, yep. it, it yep. was a whole thing. Yep, yep. And then I, I just remember like we – and the funny part about it was, we were all trying to find ways to bully each other, but we were all somewhat unique and gifted. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, I so we, that very <laughs> that, weird. So we would always is, like, like, a Harry <laughs> Potter situation. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So we're all sitting there like, how can I pick this kid apart? Yeah, we'll all get good grades like it, it was. Sure. A, it was a yeah, but definitely wanted the bridge, dude. Well, well was, hold on. Uh,
1: Let me before we leave that. Here's another thing. Because we were all coming from so many different neighborhoods, yeah. And there was a lot of gang activity and things going on as well none of us are really gang people per per se. Right. But we had to deal with gang people. We had to survive. Yeah. So another layer of that is there had to be some level of machismo to just to get people not to mess with you. Yeah, You know what I mean? And that is such an unfortunate thing because, again, you're in this exam school where education should be your focus. Meanwhile, a lot of kids are just trying to survive.
0: It's so funny that you say yeah. that because the neighborhood we're in, it's not the best neighborhood. So you're right. You're around... If it's not the kids in school, there are a bunch of kids who would just come hang out at the school. Oh, my God. Who were, I'm talking academy homes. We're talking E yeah. street projects who were just hanging out outside. Yeah. And then on top of that element, there was the element of racism. Yep. <laughs> so yep. it's yep. like, yep. You know, Strong. And we're 7 through 12. You know, we're like, we're 12. Like, yeah. we're 12, 13 years old. we yeah. how to navigate all this stuff. It's, it was a crazy environment. It was. You know? like it, it was. was. It, it was yeah. a super crazy but, experiment. And, and
1: thank God for it because it <laughs> prepared us to deal with what else is coming in life. Right. In a, in a Trump era in society where there's so much supremacy and anti immigrant and anti people of color when you think about what we went through in that school yeah if you could have made it through that then you're pretty prepared for what's going on today
0: you're pretty pretty good yeah. so you take that and when you go to Suffolk are you when you put yourself in that environment are you do you find yourself do you find it hard to conform to specific environments especially like higher ed you're in school is was it politics political yes political science science, yeah, yeah when it comes to interacting with classmates interacting with professors coming from where you are in boston that whole situation did you find it hard to kind of fit into this environment or is it natural were you just able to turn it on and be like all right cool
1: i'm a social person yeah and that starts from when i was a young kid my parents used to make me read the newspaper as soon as I was i learned to read i had to read the newspaper and then give an oral presentation on what I read. Oh, shit. Okay, I had to literally okay. discuss everything from the front page to the back page. So from politics to sports, we had to have a discussion about what it was. And I had to show that I understood what I was reading. So that opened me up to the point where I always connected with people older because we literally were reading the same stuff, consuming the same stuff, and thinking about the same stuff. So at seven years old, I was having conversations with people 30, 40, 50 years old. About what was going on That's nuts. Man, George Bush just won the presidency and, and literally talking about that He just beat Michael Dukakis And what is that going to mean for the country What the hell does a young kid know about that That's I crazy. was in it. Yeah. So as far as the social aspect of things I never really had a problem wherever I was What I have a problem with is I'm not very good at people Necessarily teaching me stuff Okay. If you give me the book You can explain it to me, right? But you really need to give me the book Because the way that my brain works is kind of totally different from what you would consider traditional. I got to read it myself, consume it myself, break it down, make my notes. And then once I do that, I own it. Right. I learn it from the inside out. I can master it. But if I got to sit down and listen to you lecture all day long and what have you, I'm going to have a tough time with that. Because there are things that I'm thinking about that you may not even be hip to. It's like, you know, remember that kid in, in, in math class who could. Do some stuff and get the right answer every single time. And you would be like, I don't know what the hell just happened. there. Yeah. When it comes to social sciences and things of that nature, that's who I am. Okay. You know what I mean? I, I'm not a by-the-book, rote kind of guy. I'm, I'm learning on a totally different level in that regard. So yeah. there, there are oftentimes some conflict with the professors in that regard. Because it's like, just give me the book, man.
0: And the unfortunate part is I feel like half of learning is someone... Teaching you not like teaching you how to listen, you know yeah, what I mean. Like yeah, it's it, yeah. that's that's hard because if you go into like me, like I, I and I feel like the majority of people on this podcast, it's the structure of that leadership structure that's a struggle because it's like, look, man, if the goal is for me to like get to this end goal, and I can still do that without you tell me what to do every waking second. Yep. But it's hard when it affects your grade. Right? Sure. When you've got homework you got like, sure. to do just to do it. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. tough. It's a, it's a super tough transition. But
1: you're a prime example. Again, you're operating on a totally different level than what would be considered average. Yeah. And you may be in, in some aspects above or operating at a level above the teacher.
0: Yeah.
1: So, and they're not bringing it up to your level. You're They're forcing you to bring yourself down to that level that they're teaching at. That's hard,
0: man. Yeah, For a gifted tough. person, that's it's hard. It's tough, dude, yeah. and the people around you. Like, absolutely, you yeah, yeah. absolutely, yeah. So when you get out of school, what's what's your career like initially? How'd you, how'd you like that? Dude,
1: I was crazy, man. So <laughs> when I was in high school, let me back up for a second. I was, during the summer times, I was interning at the, at the uh, state house, So I'm living that in that world. But I was also working at Jordan's Furniture. Okay. I was fluffing pillows, cleaning up the showroom, taking things out to customers' cars. I was doing that sort of thing. And within months, they made me what's called a sleep technician. So literally, I had to learn every aspect of sleep and sell mattresses and pillows and get certified every year. 16, 17-year-old kid, I was the youngest person in the history of the company to get hired for that job. And the first black person to get hired for that job. Everybody around me was not black. Right, okay. So I was in the retail world is what I'm what I'm saying. From there, in college, I was still working in government, but I was also working at Brookstone. I was a store manager. Okay, so again, I'm I'm applying my leadership skills now and I'm hiring young people and training them up and teaching them how to do things and and providing them with life skills on top of that. Uh, So I did that to pay the bills because there's no money in government, especially starting off. You know what I mean? But there's plenty of money in retail, no matter folks out there. Don't look down on that kid that's selling you your your alarm clock or what have you. They're making some pretty good money, especially with commissions and bonuses and things of that nature. They're making some pretty good money. So I did that for a while, and then I went back to the government world because it's like, well, you went to school for this, bro. You kind of have to justify why you spent fifty grand a year to, <laughs> you know right. what I mean, right. to do yeah. this thing here. So I uh, managed constituent services for the City of Boston, and that was crazy. Constituent services is another word for, as far as I'm concerned, customer service. Okay. Your lights are out on your street. The trash didn't get picked up. Your little brother is being discriminated against at work. You call your elected official to solve these problems because that's why they're in office, right? They hire somebody like me to actually do the legwork, investigate, figure out what's going on, and figure out a solution to these problems. So I was that guy. Uh, The foundation of that I learned in the speaker's office as a kid, and I became proficient enough at that with my education and with my on-the-job training to manage it. So I was doing that with the city of Boston for a number of years as well.
0: How often do people take advantage of that uh, calling you know, <laughs> something like that? Is, Dude, is it just not nonstop.
1: I'm gonna tell you right now, not enough. People in the know—they're the ones that call all the time, and they get their family members and their friends to call. So there's like this: if if let's say you have 10 people, right? Yeah. Four out of 10 people are taking advantage, but those four out of 10 people are calling on a constant basis. So the the volume of work is way up there, but there's not enough individuals who are taking advantage of it. Yeah, If you put somebody in office, they work for you. You need to call them when you have a problem. And no problem is above what they're involved in. That's another thing people don't understand. Politics is involved in every single aspect of your life. Where you live, where you work, uh, the the streets that you drive on, your bus pass, everything somehow, some way. Mm -hmm. Education, which the school department is just a government agency. Everything, politics is in everything. You need to call your elected officials and make them do their job, which is assist you when you need assistance. Yeah.
0: You know, because you're paying for it. That's what your taxes pay for. And I feel like there's a disconnect with how that works. Sure. Like, even with me, it's like, yeah, the guy's in, but I don't know if there's anyone I don't even know how it's communicated that there are people you can call. With, like, it's not like <laughs> potholes and shit. You know, I'm like I don't even know. It's not communicated well. Who do I call? I don't even know. the you, cops. Like, well,
1: if you live in the city, you call your mayor wow. and say, "There's a pothole on my street. What are you going to do about it?" And then you keep calling until that gets filled.
0: How? Uh, wh- how'd you like it? I mean, what, loved it, bro. Really loved it. Okay.
1: So I, I come from a law enforcement family. Both of my parents were Boston police officers, but. Unlike what the perception could be, they were people, especially my mom, that understood you can't arrest away your problems. You need to provide services to people. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you, if you break the law and I put you in jail and I don't provide you with services, you're going to get out of jail and break the law again. The, the repeat offender thing is pretty serious. Yeah. You need to support this person. Get to the heart of why they're doing what they're doing and find out if there's a way that we can solve that problem, so they can move in a different direction. Yeah. So I did that from a, a um, intergovernmental aspect. I was literally working with police and, and social workers and what have you, solving all of these problems for people. And yeah. there's a lot. Yeah. If your if your loved one unfortunately gets murdered, and they were contributing to the household financially, you're missing a lot of money now suddenly overnight. Yeah. And you're mourning. So you're not even working at this point because you're mourning, right? And meanwhile, the bills keep piling up. Yeah. What do you do? Well, they were calling people like me. And I was making sure the lights stayed on and finding ways to make sure they had some money coming in so they can get a hot meal. Yeah. You know what I mean? And maybe they need to find another job where they're making more money. So we got to provide them with those types of services too. Let me take a look at your resume. Let me see who I can connect you with to help you build that up. What's going on with the younger kids? Let's make sure we steer them away from a direction where they're getting into the gang violence thing so it doesn't happen to them as well. So then you're dealing with trauma upon trauma upon trauma. Yeah. There's a whole top to bottom deal going on there, bro. That's a lot, man. I know. I know I'm going off on a no. That's No, it's,
0: it's, it's interesting information. So with all that going on, because it, it seems like there is, and I think you're, uh, we had another guest, Charlene, uh, works with uh, state government as well. She works with the office of the mayor. And she would say it was hard to, had to turn that switch off after four sure, o'clock. Sure. What was? Did it have an effect on your personal life? The way yes. you view systems? Yes. Like, is it? Yes. What's that stress like? You never
1: stop working. Yeah. Because yeah. when you go to the grocery store, everybody knows you're the person that solves problems. So they stop you in the middle of the aisle uh. and, and tell you about their problem. Yeah. And you know you can't say I'm not working today. No. You pick, pull out your cell phone. And you start making calls in the moment. Well, let me take down your information. I'll have somebody get, get on that right away for you. It never ends in that regard. Um people who provide services, especially trauma services, they experience a lot of trauma just from providing the services because you're there. There were nights where I'd be at hospitals at three AM because somebody got shot and I'm there with the family comforting them. Crazy. Yeah. Um, so what do you do? How do you shut it off, which is your question? You try to get away on your days off, decompress, figure yeah. out what you can do to um, feel good. You know what I mean? You don't want to turn to drugs and alcohol and things of that nature, which is a bad thing to go down. Yeah. So what else is there? Whether you work out, whether you have hobbies like you're building trains or something like that. Pro wrestling. Yeah, That's always been my escape. Sounds crazy, but just watching wrestling, talking about wrestling, reading about it, I love it. So that was always the thing that I turned to, and to this day I still turn to when I need to shut off the rest of the world. Well, I can get into that world.
0: And that's an amazing transition. I, uh, <laughs> I can see you do this. Yeah, so, sure. you got to look for pro wrestling, which everyone should, because we all grew up with it. I oh, of course. In this specific house, having parties, pay-per-view parties, every single wrestling event in the 90s. I'm talking about Macho Man getting married. Oh, <laughs> you remember <laughs> that? Man, that was man, awesome, Macho right? Take yep, yep, the yep. snake bit by one of its oh, my god! All of it, dude. Yeah, I remember yeah. all of it. Dude. Yeah. So... What is your side, I won't even call it a side project. What do you do involved with wrestling? Because it's a pretty big deal. Sure. So I would like for you to explain it in detail so I don't miss anything.
1: So I'm a I'm a pro wrestling podcaster, right? So I have a show called Duke Loves Wrestling. It comes on uh, every Thursday after 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It goes out to the whole world. We're on YouTube. We're on um, iTunes. Every, wherever major podcast apps are, we're on that. Uh, we interview pro wrestlers from the past and the present. Uh, And talk about their careers and expose them to a new audience of people from all over the world. But it morphed into something more than that. Because, like you said, everyone has a pro wrestling story. I've interviewed Basketball Hall of Fame journalists. I've interviewed NFL players. People from all walks of life come on the show, tell their pro wrestling connection story. And then we talk about what they do in addition to that. So I'm an actor. I'm a model. I'm I'm a journalist. I'm a this and a that. And we discuss Certain things in relation to that. So because I'm a jack of all trades, I like to talk to people about what else they have going on in life, not just their main thing. You know what I mm-hmm, mean? Mm-hmm. So if, if Joel Edwards, is, is, he has his fit us uh, company, which is fantastic. You have your app and what have you. But I'm also going to ask you about your podcast. I'm going to ask you about your hobbies and things of that nature and pull information out of you that maybe you haven't shared in other places. So people can get a global understanding of who Joel Edwards is as a person. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and then we'll talk about the Macho Man thing that you remember in your pay-per-view uh, parties and what have you. Yeah. So I, I'm really interested in people. I love people. Okay. And I love stories. I, I'm not a I'm not a person that likes places and things. I okay. like people. Yeah. Tell yeah. me who you are, where you've been, why you did it. And just let me turn everything else off and just focus on what we're talking about. Take me on your journey.
0: So when, when you do, when, when it became wrestling, what is what is your, what is what do you love the most about it? You know, because when I was a kid, it was the make-leave, right? It was mm-hmm. just the storylines I've seen, I'm thinking of real. And as an adult, it's still the storyline. Sure. Like, I like to see how stuff sure. is written and like sure. how, to, how the characters progress. Of what is it about you that drives, like, what is your thing where you're just like, this is this is what I love about this? I love
1: the showmanship. Uh, I take Ric Flair, for example, who's one of my heroes in life. Yeah. He wasn't the biggest, he wasn't the strongest, he wasn't necessarily the most handsome. He certainly wasn't uh, like the tallest, which I'm not. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, but he was one of the hardest working. And he would tell you that he's going to do something. I'm going to win this match, I'm going to be the champion, then I'm going to party all night long. And then he would do it. And that lesson, and that's the thing about pro wrestling, it's, a, it's an example of what's going on in the world. When you really take a look at some of these storylines and what's happened through the years, you can take a look at what's going on politically and socially in the world at that time, yeah. and it's a mirror. <laughs> it's enhanced, <laughs> yeah. but it's a mirror. You know what I mean? So I always enjoyed the fact that there was something to be learned with all this stuff. And, you know, the, the what people call fake fighting and all that stuff, whatever. It's an exhibition. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yes, it's predetermined, but they are getting hurt at times. Yeah, they are. But I was always more into the showmanship and the storytelling of things. As opposed to just the athleticism.
0: Yeah. yeah. That's, that's awesome. So yeah. how did it go from passion to, you know, I'm going to record something? Like, was it, <sighs> did you go brainstorm about it for a little bit? Did someone give you the idea? Or you you just like, not podcast?
1: So I got an interesting voice. People talk about my voice all the time. You know, I mean, you should be doing something on radio or something like that. Which yeah. I've really never utilized before. I was always doing everything but that. Um, on Facebook, I would always post when there was a pay-per-view or monday night raw or or smackdown and people would come on my page and talk about wrestling so one day facebook got upset with me because i tagged over 100 people in a post and they were like you're tagging too many people you're spamming so they kept blocking my posts so i had to create a group in order to invite all those people so we have a place where we can talk about wrestling and not be bothered by facebook So once I created a group, then everyone was like, man, we really like what you say about wrestling. You should do something about that. And that's the beginning where I started writing about it because I created a medium page where I would just do an editorial about whatever was going on for the week. And that morphed into, you know what? I'm going to start recording some stuff because everyone's on YouTube. Everyone's doing this, doing that. I can do that. Literally in my bedroom, my laptop and a cheap Bluetooth headset, I recorded my first show. 25 listeners. That was less than two years ago. We just did episode 98. Um, 3.5 million listeners last week on my latest episode. And that's worldwide. That's insane. And, and let me let me preface that, though. The majority of them are coming from outside of the country.
0: Which I, don't, I wouldn't understand that. Like, I yeah. really... Why is that?
1: Because they're, most of the hardest wrestling is happening in the United States. Okay. And you got time zone issues and things like that elsewhere. So... They don't get the amount of news that we get here, we take for granted. For various reasons, they don't have the same kind of structure there. So to be able to go to one place where they cover all the top stories and give detailed analysis and you have wrestlers on the show giving their opinion on things, yeah, I'm going to listen to that. So that's what my fan base does. But here's a strange caveat here, uh, uh, Joel. 48% female uh, penetration.
0: That would surprise me. That really, yeah.
1: And Man, even in the group, would... if you look at my wrestling group, you notice that it's the ladies that control the group. Yeah. It's a it's an insane amount of women who are involved and are fans of the show and spread the word about the show and participate and constantly talking about stuff. Cause women like wrestling too.
0: That yeah, you wouldn't think you so, know? you know. Yeah. Well and,
1: and the thing about my show and my you know, shout out to my co-host, the Boston Bad Boy. We don't talk above your head. I'm a wrestling nerd, but I'm not all the way up there. I'm talking in very plain terms. I'm talking about politics. The Boston Bad Boy barely watches wrestling, so he's always a contrarian about it. And the banter back and forth is interesting. But we also talk about social aspects of things. Okay. Racism, sexism, um, drugs. We've, we've had military veterans who are using pro wrestling as a way to combat PTSD. So they're actually wrestling, and that's their form of therapy. Wow. Um, okay. So we because we touch upon all these social issues, so I'm combining my political science background with my passion for wrestling on this show. Our audience I would say it's a, it's probably a 50/50 split. People who would consider themselves wrestling fans and people who would consider themselves not wrestling fans because there's so much other types of conversation going on on the show. Wow. So it's crazy, man.
0: When did you start to see it? When did you start to think, "All right, this is this is going to be huge?"
1: Peter Vesey who is a, he revolutionized the TV basketball analyst position yep. in the 90s. Yep. Right? They used to fly him to every major game to report on what was going on. And he was funny, but he was clever and he knew his stuff, right? He started retweeting my show on Twitter. I didn't I didn't even have a relationship with this guy. I'm like, well, Peter Vesey, I know who that is. He's a legend. Yeah. So then I sent him a message like, is this the Peter Vesey? Yeah. I didn't have you on my show. Well, I don't really watch wrestling. I don't care. You're Peter Vesey. You're in the Basketball Hall of Fame for covering basketball. I need to have you in my show. And he came on. And he's been on a number of times, and we developed a relationship with good friends now. But it's like once Peter Vesey came on my show, that's when I knew that this thing was getting huge. And once I started taking a look at where my fans are coming from, the Philippines and and Brazil and, and England, China, when I started looking at the numbers, it's like, whoa. Then companies started reaching out. Saying you know we want to do some advertisements on your show and can you plug us here? and Then we start negotiating some things. That was it. I That's knew that yeah, did, yeah we had arrived at a level that this isn't just a hobby. This is a real thing now.
0: Nice. Yeah. What's that fan base like? How wrestling can be charged? Sure. Right? It's a very it can, especially because it does have social ramifications to it. Yep. So how often do you get content or just messaging where you're like this dude is insane? <laughs> Constantly, every single day. <laughs>
1: But I love it, bro. I love it. Because, again, you're talking about a guy who a good portion of my life has been, has been um, focused on providing services to people. Yeah. So I've dealt with all walks of life of people. You know what I mean? People who are the richest in the world and they lost everything. People who are dirt poor and then they just need a break. Uh, people who have significant mental health issues. I've provided services and sat with those people. So the wrestling audience is just everybody. Everybody can be a wrestling fan. So it's, it's all the same to me, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I'm one of those guys that I'm going to respect you and you're going to respect me and our relationship's going to be good. And even when we disagree with each other, at the end of the day, we're still going to respect each other. Yeah. So I don't mind. And even in the group, I don't police it a lot. No one's disrespectful to each other. Um, they may argue about things, but everybody understands. At the end of the day, it's about respect. And I think when you set the tone as a leader that way, it's very difficult for things to go out of control. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because yeah. that's—I don't want to do that to Joel. Joel's a good guy, man, and he respects me, so I'm not gonna—I'm not gonna cross that line, so to speak.
0: So when this goes, because I mean, wrestling was your the way you would escape, and now your podcast is it's, it's picked up steam. What's it like at work now? You know what I mean? Like, is it? <laughs> Do You go away and you're like, Why am I here? Yeah, yeah it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> even it's if you hard. like work, I mean, it's you got hard. this big thing yeah, on the side, so- but it's The on the side anymore. It's huge.
1: Patience is the most difficult thing for anyone growing a brand or anything. Patience is so hard because you know that you're this good and you're starting to see success, but you understand that you have to take your time and you have to build. And you can't, in order to put the roof on the house, you first have to have a foundation, it takes time. In two years, I took this thing from barely anyone knew about it to now every major pro wrestling publication covers my show on a weekly basis. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it takes time. So the money is starting to, you know, the monetization is starting to come in and, and everything is cool. But it's like, and I know it's going to get better, but it's not going to happen overnight. Right. I'm still probably a good five years away from this thing being something that I can do and only this. Yeah. Yeah. And five years is not a long time, but it is a long time when you're impatient, you know? So I I always, every single moment, I'm checking myself. Not every day, not every week, every moment I'm checking myself. Yeah. So when I'm looking at stuff, like right now, there are people talking about wrestling on my fan page or people listening to my show at this moment. And I'm looking at the numbers like, wow, that's great, but we could do so much better. Man, I just wish I was there. I wish I was in the WWE right now being featured as a person in wrestling. That's going to take time. Yeah. So I just got to be cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. In the back of my head, I'm always saying, be cool. It's coming. You've gotten this far. So you just don't, don't let the highs get too high or the lows get too low. Don't make any drastic moves. If things are moving in the proper direction, just keep that foot on the gas, but keep it steady.
0: Since you've been, um, on the other side, since you've been involved in politics a long time, Mm -hmm. is it, when you have a lot of passion in one thing that's going really well, does it, Take away from anything on the other side. Is it hard to kind of keep the fire burning for both what you're doing, what your podcast, and what you're doing in politics? Yes,
1: I, I'm going to be honest with you, and I've never shared this publicly. You know what I mean? I'm very burnt out with politics. Yeah, I'm very over it. I'm very over working in politics. Not because I don't want to do it, but because it is a lot. It's yeah. taxing on the on the from a psychological standpoint. It's very difficult because you have to be perfect. Or you yeah. at to have to be trying to achieve perfection every day. You can't be out getting into an argument with your girlfriend in the middle of the street because I could be on the front page of the newspaper. Yeah. Uh, you can't have a beer and get behind the wheel, which you shouldn't do anyway. Uh, there are things you just can't do. You don't know who's around you and who's doing what. You have to be aware of people who you keep within your company. You know what I mean? You really have to check people out. I can't have a house party and, and strangers come over. Or a friend of a friend comes over. I need to know who that friend of a friend is. I gotta literally check them out. Uh, so yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a very difficult way to live and I've pretty much been living that life since I was 15, 16 years old. At what point it's yeah. time to shut it down a little bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I may do a, a, a political show where I can just talk politics as opposed to being involved hands on which would be nice because I can still scratch my itch without going too far and taking it all home with me all the time, so
0: we'll see. Is that fair? Like It's funny, I I have this conversation with people all the time, and I'm super objective about most things, and just watching Donald Trump, and the stuff, you know, the good stuff and the bad stuff, whatever may have you, and it's brought me to this conclusion of all these leaders in the past, everyone deems it as perfect, and then you hear about the stuff that pops up 40, 50 years later, right? Sure, sure. Is that fair for someone to not, to, to be human, you know what I mean? Like, there are can you be a kind of a shitty guy, but a good leader? You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like, exactly. That's Every like- <laughs> good leader is a shitty guy.
1: Pardon my French, folks. Every good leader is a shitty person. I guarantee, listen, Joel, I have been in the room with some of the most influential and powerful people of the past 20 years in this, from around the world, actually, not just in this nation, from around the world. And that includes President Obama. That includes Hillary Clinton. I've been in the room when some pretty frank discussions are happening and things that are being said, and I'm not using them as an example. People say, I'm trying to badmouth them. This this goes for every elected official, folks. Yeah. But things are, are being said in the room that they would never say out in public. Okay. And decisions are being made in the room that you wouldn't think is their position on an on a issue. And they'll tell you one thing out there, but then at the end of the day, it doesn't go the way that they told you it was going to go. So when you're... When you are in the middle of news happening before anybody else knows about it, it kind of makes you a cynic because it gets to the point where it's like, I know better than that. I know that's not going to happen. I know, You know what I mean? Right. It's, it's, it's a weird dynamic, which is why I'm not, a, I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I'm undeclared. And in Massachusetts, we're allowed to do that, thank God. <laughs> I'll never be part of a political party because there are no political parties. Right. That, no. And as, as strange as that sounds, it's the truth. You know, and people who you think can't stand each other are very close to each other and they have business dealings with each other. And it just comes from issue to issue. I'm on your side on this issue, but I'm against you on that issue. And it's not because I care about my people that rep that I'm supposed to represent, but it's because I have this personal thing that I need to get done over here. So I'll give you that over there. That's what it's all about. Right. And once you've been exposed to that enough, it, it changes you, man. It it really it's
0: does. In, it's interesting because you kind of make a, a pseudo analogy to to wrestling, right? Sure. We all thought it was real, you know, quote unquote, kids, and we th- thrived off it. Yep. But even now that I know how it works, I'm still into it. Yeah. I just understand. You can dispel the inner work. Yes, exactly. And it's this exactly. myth of these knights in shining armor. You know, it's just like, look, yeah, this guy may not be. 100% on all these specific issues that he's supposed to be on because he's affiliated or something. Mm-hmm. But can he still get the job done here or there? Can it still be efficient? Can sure. it still run smoothly? Sure. It has to be about that. And that's... It'd be hard for me. It'd be super hard for me to be in an environment where I can't just say, like, I don't know about this. And, <laughs> and
1: because here's the problem. It is your right as an American citizen to be able to express yourself. But... When you're working in politics, it's like, well, if I say that publicly, what's that? How's that going to affect everything else? Right. You know what I mean? And if I say it publicly, I better be able to stand firm on it. Yeah. Because it's going to be in the newspaper tomorrow. And I've been in that situation. <laughs> I've been in meetings <laughs> where I didn't realize people were actually recording. Oh, but thank God I understood that if I say it, I'm going to have to stand firm on it. Yeah. And I'll deal with whatever comes after that.
0: Does that help or hurt you on your other ventures that you do? Help. Having to walk that type of Help. Helps. Helps. Okay.
1: Because you're able to, because you're keeping yourself in check, it's it's an ego thing, too. You know what I mean? You, you're not allowing yourself to get too far out there where you think you, you're untouchable. You're constantly having to watch yourself. And that's important because, again, when you get comfortable, that's when you make some pretty bad mistakes. Nice. Okay. You know?
0: So uh, what would you say is the hardest part about doing both things? Like the, the- Time.
1: There are not enough hours in the day. I just had to hire uh, an administrator to help me out with some of the uh, wrestling stuff because as we continue to become successful, there are more opportunities that come up. Yep. I got live events and bookings and things like that that are being offered. I can't be on my computer or my phone all the time putting posts up. So I need to hire somebody else to do that for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? So there's the expansion part of it too where it's like this thing is growing. You know, and, and then... Every year is an election year, whether it be state or municipal or federal. Every year, somebody's running for office, some kind of office. Jeez, yeah. There are always candidates who are reaching out to me, asking me to assist them on their campaigns because I've been efficient at that, at organizing people and figuring out how to, how to be the most useful out there. Okay. What to watch out for, image um, consulting and things of that nature. So it's hard to say no to some of that stuff because there's usually some pretty good money put on the table. Yeah. But that's at least a six to ten month commitment. Yeah. And where do you find the hours in the day when you have all these other things that you're managing? So I'm up two, three, four in the morning. I go to bed early um, for that reason. Yeah. I need to manage my day. You know, so it's funny because my girlfriend, she gives me a hard time about that sometimes because it's like, all right, how long is that going to take? What time are we going to start that? I schedule my day. Yeah. I'm constantly scheduling my day. To the point where I'm going to use, roughly what time I'm going to use the bathroom. Yeah. I schedule it, Joel. You know what I mean? And and there's no way you can accomplish all these things if you don't get organized in that manner.
0: Was there a lot of stuff that you had to cut out that you leisurely would do or just... uh, Even, for example, like, if you come home from a hard day at work, you know, working with, uh, uh, doing politics... You want, you want bullshit on the internet, go on YouTube. Do you do that? And an hour later, you're like, what the fuck did I just do? Like, you know what I mean? Do you still allow yourself certain vices like that? Or is it all like, yo, if I'm not maximizing this downtime, I'm losing?
1: Everything is maximizing the downtime. Yeah. We're One of the things that my lady and I love to do is sit down and watch shows mm-hmm. together, various shows, whether it be Homeland or whatever the latest reality TV show is, what have you. While we're watching that, I got. Six different windows up on the computer. And I'm talking to this person here. I'm booking that um, meeting there. I'm reading that article there. And I'm future posting for the next week. I don't know if if folks are familiar with the website Buffer, for example. Yeah. You can set up posts that will post at whatever time and date that you want. I'm literally doing all of these things all at one time. And I'm talking to her about what we're watching on TV. Yeah. Constantly. Yeah. You know. It's very hard even to do this right now. It's very hard for me to do this one thing right now because I'm usually doing five different things at once. (laughs) That's crazy. (laughs) But if I don't stay that busy, though, I don't know what I would do with myself, man.
0: You you like it?
1: I don't want too much time on my hands. Yeah. You know what I mean? I I want purpose. I want to feel like I'm, I'm reaching for a goal. And even though when I achieve that goal, I'm on to the next goal. I don't spend too much time basking in the glory of what I just accomplished. Yeah. I'm always reaching for that next height.
0: What's your ceiling on both? What's your ceiling for working in the political space? What do you think? Where you like? I like this here. This is this is a good, this is a good goal to set. Man. And for the podcast, respect. Oh my
1: god, uh, for politics, man. If I was second in command of an agency, okay, where I was making a very good wage, where I could just do that. Um, but I didn't want to be the guy who's in charge because then you're easy to get rid of. But if I was second in command, I could just do my job behind the scenes and go home and relax at the end of the night. That would be perfect. It doesn't matter what agency. It could be uh, housing, urban development. It could be transportation, whatever. I have experience in all of them. I would love to do that. Right. But the problem is when you're very good at organizing and, and, and constituent services and stuff like that, nobody wants you to. They don't want to stick you in this other place. They don't want you on the front lines to deal with the people. Because you're so good at dealing with the people, (laughs) so you can kind of shoot yourself in the foot by, in some ways, overachieving in in your career. You know what I mean? Because then it's like, well, that's what—that's my person to do that one job. Yeah, that's my Swiss Army knife. We need him right here because he's going to do that for me every time. Yeah, which is tough, you know, for wrestling. Dude, the WWE has podcasters and journalists. They come on their um, pay-per-views in the beginning of the pay-per-view and they talk about what's going to happen. And all it is is advertising for them. It's just a featured spot. I don't even think they get paid for it because of how much they gain from being on WWE TV. Dude, just give me that one time. Give me that opportunity one time. I will grow my fan base in a manner that would just be tremendous and
0: not be satisfied. Do they do it during one of their televised events? Yeah, the pay-per-view. So every month. Oh, okay. Yes.
1: So there's like an hour. And they have maybe a match or two. But in between that, they have people talking about what's coming up. And they use, you know, Sam Roberts or Peter Rosenberg from Hot 97 in New York. Those guys right. are yeah, constantly yeah. on that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Dude, you put me in that seat? Just give me one time. And I'm not, I'm all, and this is the other thing that I, I'm always conscious of. How many degrees of separation am I am from the next goal? I'm not even one degree away from that happening because of the relationships I've built, I've built with the podcast. But I just got to keep working that one degree. Yeah, you know what I mean. So that's where I'm at right now. Where it's like I'm, I'm close to that, but I'm not there yet.
0: And that's a, I like that. It's a very specific, concrete goal. Like you know, it could, you know, you could have a dream I be like, oh, I just want to be the most famous. Guy no, but that's very. It's very. You know what I mean? It's it's yeah. real. It's tangible. It's measurable. It's measurable. Yeah,
1: I'm, I'm a measurable guy. Yeah, I'm always. Consulting is important because I like to. I, I almost became a teacher when I was younger. I had to make a decision. Am I going to go into politics or am I going to go into education? I like to teach people. I like to develop people. I like to put you in a position where maybe you didn't realize you could achieve these heights. And with a few tweaks, you can reach for the, for the stars and actually get there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So part of that is the way that I set goals for myself and then go about trying to accomplish those goals. You know what I mean? Right. So I, I like to teach other people how to do the same thing.
0: I really feel like this could be huge. I, this podcast will be huge. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's gonna get there, man. It's, yeah, a, it, it, it's, that. it's literally just you're, really, you're that one tweet away. Like yeah. It's a, it's... a while back, I did a school project on the tea staying up later. Oh and yeah, I remember that. I remember that. Yeah, I remember I just that. Message yeah. people, yeah, on Twitter, like, hey, what do you uh, think? And just the one person who worked for like the Metro was like, oh yeah, this is cool. I'll tell people about it. And then it just blew up. Yep. So. If Peter Vets, you can see that, dude. <laughs> dude. <laughs> Who knows? Do you talk to wrestlers like uh, WWE, contracted wrestlers? Have yes, conversations? everybody.
1: It, I'm at the point now where they're coming to me. So before, I was knocking on the door and begging old-timers and stuff like that. But this is another thing that, thank God, I grew up the way that I did, Joel, where I understood that degrees of separation. You can't start at the top. No. Sometimes you got to start at the janitor at the building because you know what? The janitor knows everybody. So you develop a relationship with the janitor and then maybe the janitor tells the next person like the security guard and then you develop the relationship with the security guard. And then once you gain their trust, they tell the next person and the next person. So you got to walk the steps, so to speak. Yeah. So I started off with old timers, wrestlers who people forgot about. And I started interviewing them and I knew a lot about them because I grew up watching them. Right. So it was genuine. And then they start saying, well, this kid is all right. Let me call so-and-so. And And they would help me get up to the next level. They vouched for me. And then once you get up to the next level, that person... And before you know it, I'm literally interviewing some of the top stars in pro wrestling because of that. But I started from the bottom.
0: Seemed seem like a very level-headed individual, so I doubt this. But... Have you ever been let down in an interview where you were just like stoked about beating someone or talking to someone? And you yes. were like that—that that was just super.
1: <laughs> well, there's always a, there's always um, interviews that don't go well. Yeah, and that's just okay. Not everybody's a, a good public speaker. I'm looking for the content. Give me the content, and you know, thank God I have a great producer, so he can edit things in a way that we can get the most out of it. Yeah, we've learned how to figure that out. Um, but. The biggest letdowns are the ones where you schedule an interview and then it doesn't happen, and then maybe you never get that interview. You're yeah. always reaching for this thing, and you and I'll give you a prime example, and I don't mind naming names. I had um, Dan the Beast Severin, who is a, a ultimate fighting <laughs> champion, Hall of Famer in mixed martial arts. Yeah, Hall of Famer. This guy's top dog, and his interview was one of the top stories in sports a couple of weeks ago because he said some things that were pretty strong, and a lot of places picked up on it all over the world. And he wants to fight Ken Shamrock again. And they've had two fights in their career. So one more would be tremendous. And there is some interest in putting that fight on. So there's a lot of money at stake here on this deal. Ken Shamrock, I had an interview scheduled with him. For whatever reason, the schedules didn't work out. I was actually in Las Vegas at the same time he was in Las Vegas. And we couldn't connect. And he was supposed to come on again this week and again. Canceled on me. I need that interview yeah because if i can help make that fight happen then that puts me in a totally different class as well because again it's like wow this guy can make things happen he's not just some guy talking to us he's not just some guy promoting something he's a guy who literally something that didn't exist he brought it together and helped create it you know what i mean so That's it's so crazy dude and again you got to be patient yeah so inside i'm like Argh. <laughs> I, I, I I advertised this interview. Everyone's looking forward to this interview. It didn't happen. Yeah. So now my fan base, am I going to lose some people? Because they're going to say, what, are you a liar now? You said you're going to have this guy and you didn't have this guy. All that stuff you got to think about. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it comes back to patience. And it comes back to, are you respecting your fan base? Are you respecting others? And if you do that, then they're going to hang in there with you. And they have. My yeah. numbers haven't dropped, thank God. No.
0: Yeah. Did you ever have a moment where you, you thought once you started going that it wasn't gonna work out? Even while you were growing? Did do you ever have a low point where you're like, man, this thing might not this might not last?
1: Um, that's a good question. No. Only because I'm I'm constantly grinding and because I have the so this is the thing about having a group. They're my focus group. You know what I mean? They're, I, yeah. I'm testing a lot of things out with the people who are in my, my private Facebook group. And they're spreading the word on things. And they let me know what they like and don't like. So a lot of the things that they respond to end up on the show. So because of them, I always knew that things could work out. Okay. Because for every one person in the group, they're responsible for at least another 100 people. Literally. Because they put it on their social networks and they get other people to um, interact with it and what have you. Everyone's good for about another 100 people for me. Yeah. So that has kept me confident. If I didn't have that, yeah, I'd be pretty worried, bro. Because there were some moments where it's like, I don't even have a guest. I got to make it up. And I write the show. Yeah. So creatively, you constantly have to come up with new ideas and what's going to be funny and what are people going to respond to and then put that into action. Right. Which I'm not necessarily a comedy writer or an entertainment writer or something like that. Yeah. Shout out to, uh, Abdi Ali, Mr. Ali, who was our uh, creative writer, uh, teacher at oh, Latin yeah, Academy. Yeah. <laughs> um, that guy gave me a D for my writing and he challenged me. But I'm going to tell you something right now. A lot of the things that he said back then, he was 100% right. And a lot of the things that I learned back then, I'm applying today. That's so so awesome. Yeah. And I know, so this is my memory is is, is crazy, Joe. He was a good teacher, didn't he? Yeah, he was. And he was tough, but he was really good. And he was a respectful guy, too. My memory is crazy, though. I always pull back from the past, things that have happened in the past, and I apply them today to help me on my journey.
0: That's so awesome, man. Well, with that said, I don't think it's a doubt you're going to be there, man. We just want to be around for it. In the meantime, (laughs) could you let everyone know where they can find the podcast? And it won't take long to get this edited within a month. But if you can let us know where we can find you, social networks, wherever it may have you, so we can just push this.
1: Folks, Duke, D-U-K-E, loves, L-O-V-E-S, wrestling. That's R-A-S-S-L-I-N. You can just Google that, and you'll see everything that pops up. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, iTunes, you name it. We're everywhere. Duke loves wrestling. If you just put in Duke loves, everything else will pop up anyway. But you can find me interact with me it's me that responds to you uh, I love my fans out there people from all over the world even if you speak another language I'll find somebody who speaks your language I'll find a way to interact with you you might even get a chance to come on the show because I love to have fans come on the show and give me content and things like that because then they're part of the process I want people to own this yeah. you know what I mean so that was one of the things that I, I started doing from the very beginning I would get listener submitted content and put it on and then tweet about them for a whole week to get their followers up and to get them exposure so it's this constant helping other people and by helping other people it builds um, your credibility you yeah. know what I mean yeah. and credibility in anything that you do is more important than upfront, um, front up uh, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for rewards yeah. yeah I don't need you to give me $100 today I just need you to tell 10 people what I helped you accomplish in your life. And when you do that, I'm probably going to get $100,000 tomorrow. It's the long game, man. You just That's gotta, it, bro. You gotta
0: have the, the, it is patience.
1: That's it. And, and again, Joel, I got a lot of respect, a lot of appreciation. I love you, my brother. Uh, we've known each other since we were kids. That's I remember time, when you interviewed Dana Barrows, the Boston <laughs> yeah. Celtics. You were part of that thing. What was that?
0: Kids, it was kids company at first. Kids company, the kids yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, you remember know. when I interviewed a uh, Flash Funk? I remember when you interviewed <laughs> Flash Funk, <laughs> and absolutely. Yep, yeah. yep. And you you were natural
1: <laughs> at it, and I always thought that was really cool. You know what I mean? So it's like through the years, Joel, you've always just been cool. Uh,
0: so I appreciate good, you,
1: man, man. I, and I'm really honored to be on your show.
0: Cool, man. Well, everyone, you heard it. That was awesome, man. That was. Yeah. Uh, I learned a lot about politics. I gotta do. We there's gonna be big things coming. It's a shame that there aren't big things happening already, but. They're coming, dude. Like, it, it's definitely all Never Rise. For so. both of us. Yes. For both dude. of let's, us. Let's get that Kim Shamrock interview, bro. I know, like, bro. Let's I, see dude, dude, I need the- that. <laughs> I need that. Serious. Before you leave, let me get what's your favorite wrestling moment of all time?
1: Ric Flair. When Ric Flair um, had his match against Triple H, Ric Flair was definitely well into his career. He was old. A lot of people call that his retirement match. He did wrestle again after that, but this was like his last big match. It was on Monday Night Raw. And in fact, Folks, when this uh, show goes out, I'm going to post it on the Duke Loves Wrestling Facebook and Twitter page. I'll post the match so you can see what I'm talking about. This old, beat-up man against the top wrestler in the world, and he almost won the match. And it didn't matter who won or who lost. It was a story around, I got one more shot, and I'm going to do this thing. And the fans, everybody was standing on their feet and cheering and what have you, crying. It was just awesome to see that. Because no matter what's happening in your life, once again, you don't have to be the best, the biggest, the strongest the most handsome, the most uh, talented. Just work hard. Man. Yeah, Put in the work, and things will work for you.
0: That's awesome, bro. Awesome. Well, man, again, I appreciate it. Appreciate you, we'll sir. We'll definitely do this again. We'll, we'll do a recap. Cool. And, then we'll, and i got to have you on my show. I'm going to hold down. you to this, Joe. I'm down. You I'll heard do it, fans. You gonna I'll come do on it, the Duke
1: <laughs> Wrestling Podcast. We're going to have some fun.
0: That's all right. Though. But everyone who goes to that, uh, thank you. Thank you, and uh, you'll be hearing from us soon.